Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, yes. Well, my name is Gary Chevalier. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. If you have recently started coming to church, and you know Mike has been teaching all these messages, and if you look up here and you said, wow, he got taller, better looking, It's actually not Mike, it's me. So I am super excited to pick up teaching this series with you guys uh, because I love this story and what God is doing because we're taking a look at generational sin that gets passed down from generation to generation and how the evil one is using generational sin to destroy families and destroy the bonds that God has created, but how we can be the ones to break the cycle of generational sin in our lives. And I've been super excited about this since we started planning it back in May. But now that we're in the middle of it, I am loving this series even more because I think like I've known the stories of these these families. I mean, the biblical account, I've read it tons of times. I know what's going on, but I really is not until we put it up on this board and we start tracking it through the generations that we really, for me at least, can see the impact of how these sins get passed down and passed down because they're powerful. I mean, I think we can all agree generational sin is powerful because you grow up with it. You grow up with that feeling normal and being normal around you. It's like, this is just how we do things. And I don't know what the generational sin in your families are. I mean, there's tons of them. Perhaps it's a laziness or greed or deceit. Uh, Maybe there's uh, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Maybe there's physical or emotional abuse uh, in your family. Maybe it's the opposite in the spectrum. Maybe it's self-righteousness and conceit and pride that is passed down. Or maybe you're like me. The biggest sin that I struggle with is anger. So I remember a long time ago growing up when I really began to notice that anger was a problem. Because, see, I'm a perfectionist by nature. I like things to be right and orderly and and just so. And I have the ability to get super worked up super fast over things that I feel are unjust or unfair or things that don't work out like I planned them or honestly just things that aren't the way that I think they should be. I can get massively angry really quick. Now, when I was nine years old, I remember (laughs) baseball season had just finished And we were all out on the field for the closing ceremony, and they were getting ready to award the trophies to the first, second, and third place teams. Now, for all you young people in this room, that was back in the day when you only got a trophy if you came in first, second, or third place. You did not get a trophy for showing up and converting oxygen to carbon dioxide. I was super excited that day because my team had won first place that year, which means we got the big trophy. And yes, back in the day, the trophies were not all the same size. First place got a big trophy. Third place got a little trophy. So we got first place that year. And so I was amazingly excited. And and on top of that, beyond that, I had been on the all-star team last year as the starting second baseman. And I could not wait for my name to be announced again. But when the time came to announce the starting lineup for the all-star team, it was not my name that got called. 
there was another kid who had just entered our league. It was like seven, eight, and nine or something, and he was, he was the young one. But he got called for second base. And I know I was better than him. I mean, it was me. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I was the older kid in the league. I had been on the all-star team last year, but his name got called and not mine, and it just so happens that he was a coach's kid. And so the coach's kid made the all-star team and not me. And the emotional swing from the excitement of the first place big trophy to your name didn't get called, I exploded into anger and just cried like a baby. Now, they were manly tears, of course, because, you know, I was out there in front of everyone, but I was so angry that just tears just started coming, and I could barely walk off the field, and my mom, you know, she was great. She put her arm around me, and she gave me the same old speech she always did, you know, when cruddy things happened about how this builds character and all of that stuff, but I just, I couldn't get it under control. I was so angry, and when we got home, all of that had just transferred into blind rage and so I grabbed a baseball bat and went out into the woods behind my parents house and there was a tree back out there and I took that baseball bat and just slammed it against the tree as many times as I could I bruised my hands from hitting that thing so hard so long because I was so furious and honestly that's not the last time that I visited that tree as a young man. Now, people often get shocked or surprised when I tell them that anger is something that I struggle with. And I honestly, I'm super excited about that because that means that God is doing a big work in me and he is growing me because it has taken a lot of time, a lot of discipline, a lot of prayer, a lot of angst to get through this. But if you can't see that anger is a problem for me, like on a daily basis, then bless God, that is awesome. And that is what I love so much about this series, is that we can break generational sin. That freedom can come to all of us if we choose to follow God and if we love him and seek his, seek his commands. So today, we're going to follow generational sin, and we're going to talk about how we can continue to break these things. And we're going to do it looking at one of the sons from our last week's characters, Jacob, and we're going to look at his sons, Joseph, and his brothers. All right, let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 37 is where we find Joseph. Verse 3 says this, Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. and They couldn't say a kind word to him. So immediately, immediately, we see this generational sin of favoritism pop up. Now, the scripture says that Jacob loved Joseph more because he was born to him in his old age. And one of the things that it doesn't say is that Joseph was also the first son of his favorite wife. So not only did he love Joseph more, but he blatantly showed it 
blatantly gave him this beautiful robe in front of all of his brothers. And it says that his brothers could not say a kind word about him. You remember that? You know, growing up, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So there probably wasn't a lot of talking going on. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe that there was. But if you'll remember, with Jacob, I mean, growing up, favorites were a common part of his household. Remember, Isaac, his favorite was Esau. And Jacob was the favorite of his mom. So you would think when he saw the consequences and the rift that it created between him and his brother, and he heard the stories of his grandfather, Abraham and Sarah, and how there was conflict and favoritism there that sent Hagar and Ishmael away, you would think when he saw all that, he would go, whoa, 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 none of that for me. But no, that's how deep generational sin grabs us. It was normal and natural to show favorites. So why not? Jacob did exactly what he had been taught and exactly what he'd been trained to do. And he had his favorite son. But it didn't stop there. <clears throat> Jealousy and resentment on the part of the other brothers. Well, obviously, because their brother was treated so well. So, yeah, they're jealous and they're resentful. And remember, this has also been passed down for multiple generations. Multiple, all the way through. You can see jealousy and resentment and how it takes the fabric of the family and just tears it apart. Let's continue our story. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 now. It says, one night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. <clears throat> Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. <laughs> Verse 8, his brothers responded, so... You think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So obviously, that dream and the, him sharing it and the way he shared it just sent them over the edge to crazy town. They hated him more than they already did. <clears throat> it was all they could handle. And then one day, Scripture tells us that they were out tending the flocks, all right, and Jacob looked at Joseph, who was at home in the camp, because why not? You're the favored son. Of course you're not out tending the flocks. You're at home. So Jacob looks at his son Joseph, and he sends, sends him to his brothers. All right. Well, as he was approaching them, Scripture tells us that the brothers looked off in the distance and saw him coming, because let's be real, his amazing technicolor dream coat was easy to spot. And when they saw him coming, they introduced a brand new sin into their line, and that's violence. Genesis 37, pick it up in verse 18. <clears throat> when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns, and we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So murder. That's where it came to. That's how deep the jealousy and the resentment and the hurt, 
That's where it drove them. That the best idea they could come up with was murder. The violence in their thoughts, just the evil of that is staggering. That you would look at your brother and want to kill him. Well, God intervened, as, as God sometimes does, and spoke to the oldest brother, Reuben. And the oldest brother, Reuben, came to the rescue and said, you know what, maybe let's, let's not kill him and have blood on our hands. Let's just throw him in a cistern and leave. And then he'll just die there. Now, Reuben actually wanted to go back and rescue Joseph later, but he didn't say that to the brothers. He just said, let's throw him in a cistern. So they did. <clears throat> they attacked him. They ripped off that robe, they beat him, and then they chunked him in a cistern. And then scripture says, they sat down for a meal. I mean, picture that campfire. How does, how does that work? You just attack your brother, you beat him, you throw him in a cistern with plans to kill him, and then, hey, who's hungry? And they go sit down and have a meal. And then off in the distance, they see a caravan coming, and then Judah has a great idea. He says, you know what? Instead of killing our brother, why don't we sell him into slavery? And that way, not only is he gone, but we make some money. So that's what they did. They sold him into slavery in Egypt, and they made a little coin on the side. Then they had to figure out what to tell their father, right? So what do they do? They continue on in the next generational sin of lies and deception. Let's pick it up in verse 31. Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. D doesn't this robe belong to your son? Now, notice they said your son, not our brother. I think that's significant. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Uh, Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. You remember the lies and deception from last week? How Jacob stole the blessing from Esau by lying to his father and deceiving his father? Passed right on down. Lies and deception are so deeply woven into the fabric of their family that they would rather send their father into depression, leave him distraught and broken and mourning, and they could care less. That was more important than telling the truth. So take just a moment, if you will, look at this board and just take it in for a moment. This, this is four generations. Abraham and Sarah all the way over here. And then we have Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, and now his children, Joseph and his brothers. Look at all that has transpired. How many relationships in this family have been hurt and wrecked and destroyed by generational sin? How much hurt 
and struggle and tears has been caused by jealousy and resentment and favoritism. And more importantly, how many opportunities to break the cycle have been missed but slipped away? You know, I've, I've studied this a lot. I looked at it a lot as we created it. And one overwhelming feeling keeps coming back to me as I look at this board. And that's I don't ever want anyone to be able to create a board like this about me. I don't want to be the one that sends it on down the line. I want to be the one where it stops. That this board starts and it stops with me. Because remember, this message series comes from the Ten Commandments. The second commandment back in Deuteronomy 5. It says this in verse 8. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. Showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Last week, Pastor Mike introduced this, the five steps to breaking the cycle of generational sin. And it's not in your message, or it is in your message notes right here. And I think it's just important to look at these and important to keep them in front of us. So I want to go over them one more time with you. And look, if you missed last week's message, go back and watch that. Because he does a great job of explaining through these steps. We're just going to cover them briefly. Step number one, confess to God what your generational sin is and how it has affected my life. Number two, ask forgiveness from my family for how I have contributed to that generational sin. Number three, ask Jesus to break the cycle of generational sin. Number four, make an aggressive and ruthless commitment to remain far away from that generational sin. And number five, teach the, generation, the next generation at age-appropriate times about my family and God's faithfulness. Each of these steps is crucial to stopping generational sin in your life. And listen, if you at any point have questions, if there's something you don't understand, if you desire to break generational sin but you just don't know how to get started, whatever that is, come find me. Come talk to me. Come talk to one of the other pastors. Grab us in the lobby. Send us an email. Give us a call at the church. Let us walk through that with you. We, we are here to help you. You can find our email addresses very easy on our website. Don't not take the step to break generational sin because you don't understand it or you're confused or you just don't know how to start. Now, the thing that I find most encouraging about generational sin and fighting it and all of this is this, is that the victory is already won. When Jesus died on the cross... He won the victory for all of us. And as I mentioned earlier, with me struggling with anger, his victory gives me the power to defeat that. Through Jesus, I have been able to reach a point where anger doesn't control me like it did. Now, I still give in from time to time, and it still gets the best of me. 
But that victory is there through Jesus. So if you have never chosen to follow Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today to unlock the promises of showing love to a thousand generations of those who love God and follow his commands. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes that you can pray. That will lead you to start that relationship with Jesus. And listen, if you have not done that, I encourage you to pray that prayer today. And then come talk to me. Come find me after. Find one of our other pastors. Find a close friend and share that so that we can partner with you and start growing you in your relationship with Jesus. Now, once you have that victory in Christ, again, you still have to aggressively and ruthlessly fight that sin in your life. And you're going to make mistakes along the way. Like I said, I still have to intentionally work to control anger. And yes, it still does get the best of me from time to time, as it will you. But the key is, trust God, seek after his commands, and fight that generational sin. Just because you lose a battle doesn't mean you're going to lose the war. That's been won by Jesus. So keep fighting, keep working. You be the one that says, enough is enough. And the generational sin in my family stops today. I, because God promises the love to the thousand generations of those who love him. And he promised it and did it for Joseph and his brothers. He continued to show love to them. Because as in the past, they were not disqualified from being used by God. Now look, you would think, honestly, you would think that after all of this, that God would look at that family and say, nope, I'm done. I'm going to find somebody new. It's what I would have done. I mean, four generations in, if you guys ain't got it figured out yet, I would totally find someone else. But that's not who God is. God promised Abraham that if he loved him and followed his commands, that he would make his family into a great nation. And he did. Now, it's not in your message notes, but I want to read this to you. This is the genealogy of Jesus. So this is Jesus' family line. And it says this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, and Judah and his brothers. So the same Judah who decided to sell Joseph into slavery and lie to their father, the same brothers who enacted such malevolence and violence on their own family, those guys, God still used them. And look, he desires to use you too. Because what's done in your past is in your past, and you are not disqualified from serving God if you choose to love him and seek after his commands. Anything you've done in the past, anything that was done to you in the past is not going to disqualify you from serving the Lord and from being used by him. Now, the last way that we see that God has continued to show his 
his love is once again is that God's promises are fulfilled. God's promises are fulfilled. He fulfilled them for Abraham, and he'll do it for you. His promises to, uh, to never leave you or forsake you, that holds true. He will always be with you. Um, God's promises of the Holy Spirit to be in your life, to guide you, yes, absolutely. His promises to forgive your sin, yes. All of God's promises that we find throughout Scripture, those will be carried on, and those will be true, and those will be fulfilled. If you love the Lord and you seek to follow his commands. So now earlier in the message, I said that I don't ever want a board like this to be created for me and for my name. And that is absolutely the truth. But to start the process of generational sin, I want to encourage each one of you to go home this week and you create this board. You look at your family and write it out. What are the generational sins in your families? Go as far back as you can remember. Grandparents, maybe great-grandparents. Track it all the way through down to you. If you have kids or if you have grandkids keep it going all the way through now listen you have got to be 100% honest with yourself 100% honest about your parents 100% honest about grandparents about children and grandparents yes 100% honest about your grandchildren now don't do this with an angry mindset don't do this with a, a condemning mindset do it just so that you can see how the evil one has been using generational sin against your family. Use it as a means to set you on the track to breaking the cycles of generational sin. Use it as a way to pray and ask God to rid these things or whatever the things are in your family to rid it. And look, as we close today, Hear me say this, I know this is tough. This is hard, hard stuff. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were having fun talking about getting to know our neighbor, and that was great. And now all of a sudden, we're reaching deep into our history, deep into our personal souls. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. And, and listen, you may think, you may feel like you're being mean to you the past generations, to people you love. It may feel feel like you're being condemning when you identify these sins. But if you're doing it with the heart of breaking the cycle, you're not. And it might be difficult to deal with some of this because it just looks so daunting. How can I ever change this? How can I change who I am? How can I get over this sin in my life when I see it in my life every day? Maybe you see it already passed down to your kids or your grandkids and you think, oh, I've ruined them. What can I do? How can this ever change? But ladies and gentlemen, that is the tool of the evil one. That thought process, that's how he's gonna get to you because God would never say that. God would never look at you and say, you're too far gone. He would never look at you and say, your kids can't change. Your grandkids are done for. That's not the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of the evil one trying to discourage you because he loves these generational sins. He's used them for generations, literally. He doesn't want that to stop.
So that any discouragement that you feel, remember, does not come from the evil one. Or it does not come from God. It comes from the evil one. So be encouraged by that. Because listen, when I think about this and I think about the stoppage of generational sin, it does not discourage me. It gets me excited. Because God has provided a way for us to break generational sin. And it honestly, it makes me just love God so much more that I can look in spots in my life where I have intentionally focused and tried to grow and I can see that God has done that. And you will have the same experience, I know. So as we close today, I really want to leave you with a message of hope that our God can overcome, that you have the ability to break the generational sin cycle. And I'm going to invite our worship team to come up right now because I have a desire to worship. I have a desire to tell God how much I love him, to tell God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you for what you've done in my family. To thank the Lord for what he has done in your lives and will do in your lives and in the life of our church when we break generational sin, when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we choose to follow him and seek after his commands so that all of his promises become real in our lives. So would you please stand now? I'm going to offer a quick prayer to tell God how much we love him, and then our worship team is going to lead us in a closing song. So Father, I thank you, God, that you have given us the power and the path to break generational sin through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I lift up every individual in this room. God, I know you have spoken to them today that they would be the one that says, enough is enough. God, I pray you would give them strength, that you would give them courage and a desire, God, to be the end of the generational sin in their lifetime. Lord, I pray this for them. I pray this for me and my family, God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.